you know, parents to let their principals know that this teacher is making an impact on my student's life. Uh, not just the negative things, but the positive ones. And now. <laughs> Coming to you from the K2 studios in San Diego, California. This sounds great. You sound amazing. I always sound amazing. It's the world famous. Everybody off like BFS. Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How are you guys doing today? It's so great to be back here, and I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 117 of the Chris and Christine Show. Fantastic. Look at you, baby doll. You're back in the studio. I am back in the studio. I am not a hologram. Oh, like last week, we had a hologram Christine sitting next to me. It was a distance podcast last week. It was a socially distanced podcast. I know. you had Or to get a, a geographically distanced podcast. Both. You yeah. actually had to get super far away from me, 650 miles away from me. You just couldn't stand me that much. Oh, that's so mean. I would not say that. <laughs> I, I was know, busy just, working away, goofball. I know you were, babe, but it's so, so fantastic. I love being in love with you, and I love having you in the house. <laughs> I'm glad you love being in love with me. What's gotten into you? Is it just because it's like almost? Valentine's Day or baby as this as this thing gets released it's gonna be Valentine's Day well kind of I mean like we're gonna release it like tomorrow morning Valentine's Day isn't for one more day after that hey people listen when they listen you know what I'm saying but it's it's Valentine's Day week it's the week of love and the week of football which I guess it plays to both the women and the men I think that it was like a ploy by the president to like uproot all you know homes and all happiness and all homes by letting the Super Bowl and Valentine's Day overlap because no man on the face of the planet that likes football is going to put any thought into Valentine's Day. Wait, there's another holiday after football? Uh-huh. Oh, no so, way. Hey, honey, have you put any thought into Valentine's Day? I have thought of it, yes. <laughs> have you put thought into it, though? I have thought of Valentine's Day. <laughs> that, that is correct. I have, I've seen it on the calendar. Yes, I am aware. <laughs> That there is a holiday uh, in February, middle of February, be yes. exact. And but what is your quote whenever I say, hey, honey, are we doing anything for Valentine's Day? How do you respond? Baby, I like to show my love all year round. No, no. You have you normally say something before that. I don't want anyone to tell me how to love you. <laughs> yes, exactly. No and one then tells you say, me that. And then you say, I love you every day. I'm like, okay. You know what? This year, like we've been doing so many different things that... And I have to travel actually on Valentine's night. What? You, hey, don't do this. You, don't do this. You know that I'm traveling Valentine's Sad night. Sad tears. Yeah. So for us, we were just like, it's okay. Like, we don't have to have a specific way of celebrating on Valentine's Day to know that we love each other. We love each other all the time. And being able to go out to dinner for Valentine's Day doesn't make that any different, right? Well, I had these big plans, Valentine's no, Day. No, you didn't. I know. Well, hey, I, I just saying I did, just like like say I did. You know. Maybe. So then it makes me feel like, oh well, I screwed it up. But I know the truth is, you didn't. <laughs> you never planned you know, anything. I wonder if Valentine's Day was invented to help remind guys to like say, hey, uh, I yeah, love you. I love. Yeah, <laughs> love your spouse or your girlfriend, and maybe take her out to dinner or something. Or- Are men that clueless? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think so. <laughs> Especially right after the football game that's going on on Sunday, the big Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's funny. I think during the Super Bowl, do they still do the Puppy Bowl? Do you know if they still do that? 
I don't know, but I love watching the puppy bowl. Is it like uh, during the halftime? Can show? I have Clover do a puppy bowl she here? She totally at home? could do it. She'd... Maybe po- Clover and Pumpkin can like war well, against each pumpkin other. Pumpkin is a little like she's a turtle and she's a tortoise and she's small and slow because she's a turtle after all. But that Clover, my goodness, she's running around the entire house. Yeah. Catch me if you can. And running around the yard. What if we strapped Pumpkin onto Clover's back? How do you think that would go? Well, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it kind of remind me of like the scariest roller coaster you could think of. <laughs> That's basically what it is for, for a poor little pumpkin. Yeah, pumpkin we would pie. never we would never do that. But back to th- to I almost said back to Thanksgiving, back to Valentine's Day. Yeah, I forgot Day. what holiday we're going into. <laughs> a Merry Christmas and a Happy Fourth of July. I did get you a card, though, and it's really funny. You did? I did. I'm not going to give it to you until Valentine's Day, but I got you a little card. Hey, speaking of cards, you know, I picked out Valentine's Day cards for Mason to take to school because he's in school. They do the thing where they pass the cards out to all their kids. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny? They don't, they're not allowed to write the name of the kid they're giving the card to. They have to put their own name on the card, like who it's from. Yeah, like they she, just give them because then they otherwise they have to go through all of the sorting process. And so it's easier to just say, Well, I remember back in my Mason. day, I remember back in my day, you actually got to like put a person's name and you have like the cool card for whoever your crush was. You put like, you gave them the special card. But you don't want to tell them that it Wait, was Wait, like, how do yeah. you know about this that Mason can't write the name on it? Have you been doing this with him or did you send it to the other house for him to do? So I asked the other household about the stuff because she was going to take the cards over to school for Mason to pass out on Friday, which was yesterday as we record this. Mm-hmm. And so I had to buy the cards and I'm like, well, I don't know where to find cards at and I'm busy working. So I don't have time to go to the store and all this. I'll go on Amazon. Mm-hmm. So I went on Amazon and I'm like, how many cards do I need? And she said, there's 30 kids in the class. Great. Unfortunately, they only sell the packs by packs of 24. Which makes no sense. It- I don't know very many classrooms in elementary school nationwide that are 24 or less kids. Really? So I, so here's what I had to do. I found two, which I thought were kind of cool, kind of a boy's perspective Valentine's Day card. It wasn't the generic like, hey, happy Valentine's Day. I, I heart you or whatever. Mm-hmm. It um, So I got about two different packs. And the packs were, one was this cute little detective pack, I guess. Um, but both the cards were like interactive, which I thought's kind of mm-hmm. cool. The first set, it was like this detective thing where, like, I guess you open a card up, you scratch off like a scratch, like a lottery ticket, like a lottery ticket. Yeah, yeah. You totally scratch off the surprise, like check out this little code. It's like an interactive thing or something, right? And the second set, speaking of being funny, was a total joke card. It's like kid <laughs> jokes that you, you like. What did the heart say to the other heart or something? Right. I don't know. And you scratch it off and get to see the uh, the answer. Oh, so, that's cool. So I got them both of those. I don't know what you put so much thought into that. That makes me wonder how wonderful the card is that I'm going to be getting on Valentine's Day. Oh wait, you haven't thought of doing that. I have. You're- thought of it yes but you haven't acted on it i'm gonna it. ask um the other household if they got any more of those uh valentine's day left over the uh, cards they got from mason you want the joke one or you want the detective one which one do you want that's mean <laughs> it's not mean it's cute let me get a leftover valentine from my kids classroom because that's the only kind of love that i give you is leftover oh, well, babe it's so great you don't like back. to eat leftover so why would you give me leftover love that's gonna be the name <laughs> it's not leftover love that's like the name of a new book it's like uh stop eating stops uh what is it stop accepting leftovers or breadcrumbs yeah leftovers for love no i have a a bigger appetite than having leftovers so my heart is full of love for you okay well can you actually share it with me yeah okay sure okay why not sounds good it does (laughs) check off the list check mark done you're a goofball but i really do think that maybe 
like maybe we could say that instead of having like a big Valentine's thing this month, that maybe we just find another day, like another weekend when we're kid free, where we can just like go to dinner and do something fun, just the two of us. We don't have to do it on February 14th, I right? I know, that's so overrated. Yes. You know, do it on Valentine's Day. It kind of reminds me, I remember when, um, well, my schedule at work, like, we always work no matter what day Christmas is on. You know, if it falls right. on, if it falls on the weekend, lucky I'm off. If it falls on a weekday, well, you're working it. Mm-hmm. So we used to always have our Christmas celebration the closest weekend to whatever you know one mm-hmm. before or the one after. So I guess Valentine's Day we can kind of do that too. You know. Yeah, I mean, we could. It, that would work just fine for me. It's totally good. You know, speaking of that, I think I'm going on vacation. Uh, my first vacation of the year is coming up. Is it April or March? Oh, I don't know. It should be in April. Like, that's around the time that the kids have spring break. Oh, that's when I picked my first vacation. Yeah. Right. You know, I remember last year I took like, what, five, six weeks of vacation? Yeah. And this week I'm only taking four. This week? Oh. You're only taking four? This, this year. I'm oh, only okay. Four weeks of vacation. Oh, you poor thing. You only get a month <laughs> off. I know. Wah, wah. I know I'm spreading them out. But some guys at work, what they'll do is they will just take one day, like, take their whole vacation and just split it out for the entire year. Like make a three day or four day weekend, yeah. like every like other week or something. Which I don't mm-hmm. know if I want to do that uh, because it's. I think I don't know. I think I'd rather have the whole week off. You know. Yeah. Well, speaking of work, how have things been going for you in terms of your life and what's been going on this week? It's been going pretty good. Yeah, I've been pretty busy at work. You know, uh, surprisingly, the gas prices are so expensive right now. It's so funny. Speaking of Valentine's Day, I, th- I, I saw, saw that <laughs> meme. I saw this meme where it says, "Buy your Valentine something very expensive," and it shows a guy <laughs> holding a gas can <laughs> to his bride. Oh goodness, I. Yeah, I spent $80 fueling up last night. But when I was in Utah, gas was only like $3. No way. Mm-hmm. You should have mailed some back. I know, right? <laughs> I would have been like, I don't have anything in these canisters, officer. <laughs> shake, shake it around. Yeah. Don't smoke next to it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, work has been pretty busy for the most part. You know, it's this usual thing. You know, the... Um, they had me work last night. They changed my work around last night. You know, I don't feel a complicated story, but... Uh, uh, we were low on premium, so I had to send premium out to different stations and do a bunch of running around and all that stuff. But I did, right. get, I did get off work early, which is always a bonus on a Friday. I know. And what did you come home to? I came home to you with some cheesecake that you bought at the Cheesecake Factory to give me and you. I know. Oh, I loved good cheesecake. Because I know that we hadn't had time to have our coffee day, our morning coffee day, all week long. And so... I knew that I could, I would be up late still because I was bringing, just getting home from bringing my friend home from the airport. And I was like, well, we can have a cheesecake date since I'm going to have one more day of not having coffee with you. Like, we'll have a cheesecake date. And I got you dulce de leche. Fantastic. Some caramel in there and some whipped cream. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I want another one of those. (laughs) Man, I actually do like the caramel one they have over there. I think it's like caramel crunch or caramel something. They got a caramel something. I see it on the menu every time I go there. Yeah, it was supposed to be this one had was supposed to have like a little almond brittle oh, chunk on top of it, but I don't it know did. if it did. I think I ate it so fast, I didn't even notice <laughs> it had that. You know, like to put sprinkles on top of something? You right. Taste, taste that? Like, I don't know. I just wolfed it down. <laughs> so, but uh, how was the wedding, you know, working out for the wedding business? How's that going Oh, on? goodness. It's kicking up into high gear. So today was a very busy day. It's a very full day. So I started off the morning with what's called a details meeting. So I have a bride. She's getting married in two months. And so we went and sat and went over like the layout of all of the 
tables, uh, what the decor is going to be, because I'm her florist and her coordinator. Busy. And you. so um, we spent about two hours together going over all the little details. And then I hopped right in my car and I drove up to Carlsbad to meet another couple. And we were doing the walkthrough of their church and their um, venue because they're getting married next weekend on Saturday. And then... Um, yeah, so that's busy. And then on Tuesday of the following week, on 2-22-22, oh. I am coordinating a wedding for a couple that's getting married at 2.22 p.m. No on 2-22-22. Oh, my yeah. goodness. <laughs> Who's timing that? Are you Stop by. I have to. They said out. that they need to be walking down the aisle at 2.22. And I was like, okay, I'm going to make sure that we do that. So wow. we'll be right on top of it. That's like their one thing they want to get. They want to like say well, that I they would, got married at 2.22. Maybe they just do their their vows at 22222. 22. Well, no, they're going to just walk down the aisle at 222. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. I guess that'll work too. Yeah. Wow, it's cool. You know what's funny is the weather here has been really it's like really so, hot. Yeah, we're wearing shorts and uh we almost want to turn the AC on, but uh it's I been know like stingy mid-80. over here has been like we're not <laughs> sniffer, we're not going to put on AC. <laughs> like talking. I had to pay a bill. <laughs> I had to pay a bill for the first time in five years. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cal- calm down. That's now. you. That it's was not, my interpretation of Chris. Yes. Uh, Next thing I know, you're going to be sitting on one of those like chairs by the front door and the Girl Scouts are going to come by and you're going to be like, what do you want? Get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah. Hey, speaking of Girl Scout cookies. Oh, don't tell me. Somebody randomly left some Girl Scout cookies on the front door. It wasn't somebody. It like, was no, my friend. Uh, I, I know that. It was I, my, I didn't know that. It was my friend, Fabi. Well, now you tell me after I ate them. She... Yes, she surprise delivered two boxes. I didn't find out till the next day that it was her. And by the time I got home from my trip, another day later, I was like, where are my Samoas? And Chris was like, I thought you hated them. I'm I like, thought you hate those. And so. I was like, no, those are my favorite. My friend delivered Thin Mints and, and Samoas and to I me because they're my favorite. And I said, well, I ate the box. I he took- ate the whole box, everybody. He like one day, two days tops. He's like, well, I had like five days. I'm like, I- nope. It was delivered on Sunday. It was home on Tuesday. I took one for the team. I know. Yeah, exactly. You (laughs) took it from the team. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't know who they were. I didn't want want an animal getting into those. I didn't know what they were sitting on the outside there. So you brought them inside and then you said, well, I didn't want an animal to get to them. And that's the thing is an animal (laughs) did get to them. An animal named Chris the Cookie Monster. (laughs) Yeah, well. You know, it's funny. The kids didn't like them. They liked the uh, Thin Mints best. I know. I got a box of Thin Mints and a box of Samoas. And when I came home, there was neither left. Neither of them were left for me. Uh, no, the Thin Mints are still in the freezer. They're still there, I think. I'm pretty well, sure they are. I yes. J- Jacob loves those. He gets in those for school. Like, he packs his lunch for school. He, he Does he take a whole row of them? Uh, I think half. He does, oh, get pretty, he does take the actual Ziploc bag and fill it with uh, cookies from whatever. No, no more. Yeah, well, I mean, those thimmets are like crack. Yeah, they are. And I have to have them frozen. They have to. You, be that's what you like from them. I like to make them into like milkshakes. I think what? that's so good. Yeah, like thimmets mil- with like ice cream, and then get like like the mint syrup that you can like pump in there. Not like the not peppermint. Are but you like, describing something? Have a cold stone? No, it's like a, it's kind of like a grasshopper. They used to have it at Denny's it, when it was Girl oh. Scout cookie oh, season. Really? It was like. Thin mints, and then you would have they called it like grasshopper mint uh, syrup, like Sunday syrup that you would spray in yeah. or squirt in, and then vanilla ice cream, 
and milk and you blend it together and it's like a thin mint milkshake. It's so good. It's like shamrock shake. It sounds amazing. I wonder the Girl Scout that gets the contract for the Denny's to like sell all their cookies to the Denny's. (laughs) Because they're going to need like boxes of that stuff, I would think. Well, maybe it was just like Oreos. I thought that it was like cookie Oreos are cheap. Oreos are like dirt cheap for Oreos. compared to girls. Girl Scout cookies are so like... If you look, if you price out cookies on a price scale, they I know the the money goes to the Girl Scouts, but they're Scouts, only four dollars, five dollars a box. No, that's only if you get fancy ones. They're four bucks a box. No, I just bought them. They're five bucks a box. Well, where'd you buy them from? Because the they Girl were, Scouts came by. They were at the grocery store yesterday for four dollars a box. What? You got ripped. Uh, well, maybe <laughs> maybe it's like the transportation delivery charge I put in here, like the delivery fee from walking to my door. Um, or maybe they're four dollars. Maybe they're entrepreneurs. They're really four dollars, but the girls are pocketing a buck a, a box. You they're know, like, "This is my tip." That might be it. That <laughs> might be what they're doing. So. Yeah. Well, you know, thanks for holding down the fort while I was gone. I came home and the house was reasonably clean. I mean, I'm not talking about the kids' bedrooms because those oh, were horrible. How, how, you kid, I don't. I think I was the same way as a kid. I think most of us probably were. Nope, I wasn't. Where our rooms were just Maybe like I was. Um, clothing. I mean, an explosion. Yeah, you know, I don't know what it is about laundry and women. They either they either they do all of it or none of it. What know? are you talking about, laundry and women? You were just talking about yourself a second ago and the kids. I don't know how you spun this around on me, you goofball. Well, I'm just saying. I came home. I did my laundry immediately, and um, I may or may not have unpacked. I just realized I didn't unpack. <laughs> I have to unpack. If I come back from a trip. I, I take my bag and I immediately have to put everything away and get everything out and put that luggage back where I got it from. So, yeah. because I think I've done one time was I've accidentally left something important in the luggage and oh. put the luggage away. And then you lost and it. And then, like, I don't know where yeah. it is. And then, like, a year later on the next trip, oh, look, I found that one thing I was looking for. <laughs> That's my iPad. I was there the whole yeah. time. <laughs> well, know? it was nice for me to get a little bit of a trip away because, you know, things have been super stressful in education lately with the pandemic and distance learning. And so it was really nice to be able to like come up for air a little bit. I was working remotely for a couple of days. uh, But yeah, it was really nice to just like get a break because, you know, I love to travel, right? You love to travel, you know, I I mean, I kind of like to travel, but I'm like, I like I'm I'm kind of nervous about traveling. I think you know like, you're nervous about so many things. Yeah, it's true. Like I don't like going very far when I travel. You know, like yeah, like to the end of the driveway is enough for you. <laughs> or, well, I mean, if I can drive there, I'm I'm, I'm okay. I think. I think uh, sometimes. But I think that, and I hate driving until which is weird. How ironic! I hate driving, and I'm a driver. Yeah, it's kind of weird that way. But as far as like flying different countries, it always kind of scared me when I used to go to TJ a lot, which is in Tijuana, Mexico, folks. Is that I always be so nervous going down there. Because I heard all these kind of horror stories about getting thrown in the TJ jail. Right. And for things, and, and the cops down there, they kind of do whatever they want to do. Well, I think that's kind of stereotyping. I mean, I know that you have all of these feelings and thoughts about what you think actually happens in Mexico, but uh, you are married to a Latina. And I can tell you that you are overreacting, which is the case in many, many scenarios in our life. Like, yeah. In the last few minutes. <laughs> the last few minutes, yeah, indeed. In the last few minutes. But uh, is there anything else that's fantastic that's been happening in your week, Chris, while I was out of town? Well, you know, speaking of that, you know, it's funny. I do have another podcast called Podcastic Audio. It's where I basically try to help out new podcasters out and try to get them figured out their audio and their podcast, kind of figure out just the basics of get it launched, get it growing and going. So are you like a podcast teacher? 
uh, I think I kind of am a little bit of a teacher. I do teach a little bit. I guess I do. You consider a teaching podcast. So is your podcast like a class? Because it would seem like, you know, I think about this sometimes. Some podcasts are just for entertainment and some are for like keeping you aware of like current events. And then others like you can actually learn something from them. And I think that yours, you could actually like potentially learn something from it. Yes, you. I, I'm only here to help you as a new podcaster out. And just last night, to my surprise, I just found out, guess who is ranked number one in courses for podcasting? What do you mean in courses? The category for courses, Podtastic Audio, my show, is ranked number one. Is that like on Apple or on what service? Uh, oh, Good Pods. Oh, Good Pods. That's like a pretty decent platform. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, you can play your podcast on there and vote on there. You can share um, like star reviews on mm-hmm. there and things like that for other shows. So is that like too. something you had to campaign for where no. it was like, like, you know, the Oscars, like the nominee for uh, best courses in podcasting goes to Podtastic Audio. Yeah, no, I didn't get a trophy or anything. But no, I just looked on there because uh, I was going to post from there the episode I just did. And I was looking in there and it said on the bottom below your name, it says number one in top 100 courses. And I'm like, what? what? So I went to go That's check. That's so good. Yeah, thank you. I had to go check it out. And of course, I screenshot it and sent it out everywhere. So, um, um, Of course. But you didn't send it to me to tell me first. You just told everybody else. And you just want them to be your fans. But Oh, I know. You know what? I bought you a couple of, well, maybe it was last Christmas, this like podcasting trophy. And now you can like officially hold it and be like, I actually earned an award. That's true. Number That's like one. the first of many. We need to like see if they would give you a certificate. I should reach out to Good Pods. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but did you ever think that you'd be like a teacher? No, I, I kind of did. I guess years and years ago, I always thought maybe being a teacher, but then it's like all the work involved and the kids. Because, you know, it's like anything. You have a good days and your bad days being a teacher. And it can be stressful at times. Yes, it can be. <laughs> and I can only imagine what that's like. And that's a part of the world I don't want to be involved with because the podcasting, I can kind of teach, but from a distance. Like, right. I'm not like face to face with anybody. Yeah. And you don't have to do like classroom management. But the, this is the thing with your podcasting is other than those that you interview, nobody's really talking back to you so you don't have to deal with all of like the naughty kids in a classroom you just get to like impart your knowledge on the world that's right that's what it should be all about you know (laughs) i guess so well speaking of imparting their knowledge on the world this week's guest is an excellent educator a speaker and she is going to be with us right after this teaching us what it takes to survive in the world of education right now. And we'll be back with her right after this. Hey, thank you so much for being a loyal listener of The Chris and Christine Show. And as that you are a loyal listener, we have a very fun opportunity for you to get involved with the show. Ooh, tell me more. If you like to get exclusive content you can't get anywhere else and to receive free merchandise shipped to you every single month. Ooh, I want that. Then head over to patreon.com slash the Chris and Christine Show. That is patreon.com slash the Chris and Christine Show. And welcome back, everybody. Today we have another VIP guest. She is a teacher, instructional coach, and author. Welcome to the show, Katie Kinder. Oh my gosh. Hi. 
I'm so happy to be here. Oh, the crowd loves you. <laughs> I love that. The audience has been waiting. They've been like chanting, Katie, Katie. Probably what your students do every day when you walk into the classroom, yeah, it too. it depends on what assignment we got going that day, right? <laughs> well, thanks for being here with us today. And Thank it is a holiday. Me. I'm so excited for you to have the day off. Yes. Yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. I've been... Um, I was actually listening to one of your podcasts earlier, the uh, the previous one you just just did, and you were talking about how you're kind of always in a state of working, mm-hmm. and I'm in the same way. So even if I have a day off, it's just more time to do more work to make it all better. Um, and so I've been going through Twitter and and looking for teachers to uplift and making lesson plans. And I think, you know, most teachers are probably like that. <laughs> so, so Katie, where in the world are you actually joining us today? Listen, I'm in Oklahoma City. <gasps> Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Oh, What's the Oklahoma? Everybody's like from o- Oklahoma we've run into lately. What's up with that? <laughs> Boomer sooner. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was singing Oklahoma for you, but, you the know. musical. No, that yes. was good. I liked it. Thank I was, you. I was just trying to make you feel at home. <laughs> how, how I do now. Lived, how long have you lived there in Oklahoma? Uh, I mean, I was born in Joplin, Missouri, and then my family li- lived uh, in Tulsa, and now I live in Oklahoma City with my family. So Joplin, pretty. that is a yeah. throwback. I went to college in Springfield, Missouri, and I would drive oh. through Joplin. I One time I went through Joplin because I went the wrong way home from the Kansas City airport, right? and <laughs> I ended up all the way up through Joplin. I know that town. I've yeah, actually been there. G- it's a good town. That um, tornado that ripped through, oh, gosh, it's got to be about 10 years ago, uh, was so sad. I mean, it leveled their high school and leveled everything. And it was no really, way. really sad. Yeah. So they've been, I think they've been rebuilding ever since. Wow. That's so and crazy. You're in, and you're in like Tornado Alley then, right? Oh my gosh. Yes. It's scary. <laughs> and every every year, like with storm season, which is in the spring, I like beg my accountant husband to get a storm shelter because we don't have one and so then he looks at the price tag and then immediately says no uh don't you buy those at at, uh costco or somewhere don't they have those (laughs) you can you could just go buy them at costco um they put them there's all these different types like it's cheaper if you can like you can put one in your guest room and like shut the door almost like you're like a Panic room? A, yeah. <laughs> um, or you could get one that's like installed under like by in your garage that you go like under. Um, and so I want one because, you know, every time we have a tornado, I think, gosh, I want a storm shelter. Most of my friends have them and usually they'll make room for us. But So do people still do like from Wizard of Oz, like the underground little shelters, like where you have – like you go into the ground with like the doors yes. that close up. Yes. Wow. Um, and there, you know, there's of course the the deluxe one that's amazing, and then the one that you can barely fit you and deluxe? your dog in. Tell me more about the deluxe. It's like <laughs> a McMansion underground. <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. Like if you're, you know, if you're rolling in that dough, which I'm not, I'm a teacher. Um, then you can get like a beautiful one put in. It has a TV. You could just like live down there. Um, and then you can get the one where you can basically stand up while holding your dog. And it well, just It's a depends. phone booth, basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
That's so crazy. Like, that's something that us here in California, we don't really have to think about. Like, tsunamis would be something that we would yes. think about before. And there was a tsunami warning yesterday. Was it yesterday? Are you serious? Uh, no, it was the other day. Was, I don't know. Yeah, it was, just, it was just a couple days ago. Yeah, they had that big um, volcano that w- erupted in the middle of the Pacific. What? It was a NASA saw it. It was from space. You didn't see, well, you saw it. I was, you know what? I was busy working in education, and I didn't have time to check the news. Well, let, let that's me, where yes. we're at in education right now. <laughs> right, 100%. Let me educate you, though. Yeah, it, <laughs> a big volcano happened so all of san diego had all the coastline like had this big tsunami warning and, and, the, and the water was ripping back and forth like the tides were like oh. splashing and you could see at mission beach where the tide went way out because you think it was gonna come back and you know, like a big tsunami Whoa. i don't know if it did though but it did go all the way out i know that. that's scary too i'm always worried that california is just gonna like break off and fall into the ocean isn't that like a that's what Something people say. Something happen. Yeah. <laughs> no. They're like, not. all of a sudden, we wake up in the morning and we're like, what was that? Was that an earthquake? Nope. We're floating in the ocean now. Now we're an island. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> island That's okay. California. Yeah. Island California. I think yeah. I could go for that. But yeah. So you've lived in Oklahoma. You lived in Joplin. You've been all around. You're Midwest girl to the soul. Um, yeah, that's where, I mean, I don't know if we'll be here forever. I like warm weather and I want to swim and be by water. And so I don't know. Um, but my kids are so, you know, they're plugged in here. They've got their friends. They're 13, 14. And so I don't think we're going to be uprooting them anytime soon. But every once in a while, my husband will pace around the room and be like, why do we still live here? (laughs) Although although I love Oklahoma, people are so nice. And uh, my family, my friends, they're all here. And they would just, at the drop of a hat, help us. That's so kind. Now, I have a big question about being from the Midwest. Because, you know, West Coasters, we have like certain types of food that people say we're popular for. And then the East Coast, there's like a lot of like seafood and all that kind of stuff. What kind of food are you famous for in the Midwest? I don't know if we're famous for any food. It's kind of um, barbecue, right? Other than barbecue, other than having a Chili's on every corner, that's, that's <laughs> what we're famous for. Um, I don't know. We love Mexican food. Uh, you know, I don't know if we're particularly famous for anything other than, you know, Chilies. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Speaking and maybe which, that's that's me being like woefully like not cool. And- <laughs> hey, speaking of chilies, trying to figure this out. Where do chilies come? Like, what is their like theme? Like, where yeah, we come- ate there last night, and so we always have that conversation. Like, there's not really chili on the menu at Chili's. Yeah, how dare they? You know, that is true. That and then they have conundrum. like a chili pepper on their logo, but they don't really have a lot of spicy food. So it's where? Like, yeah. right. I don't know, but Chili's is fire. Let's just talk about that. Um, <laughs> Chili's, we think you should, you know, sponsor this awesome podcast. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and we think you should give free meals to every educator in America. Every educator. Let's. We're going to start that. Yes, for Did sure. you ever watch The Office? Didn't they used to do like all their all their meetings at Chili's? I remember. At Chili's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love The Office. That's so funny. Well, we really appreciate you being here with us, and we're excited to learn more about you, Katie. So um, we know you live in the Midwest, but what do you do for a living? Well, I'm an educator since 2006. Uh, I stepped into the classroom with zero training, none. Wow. Um, I you let you do actually- that? I, I <laughs> well, yes. Um, I My mom is a rock star educator in the Tulsa area. She was a principal for a long time, a superintendent. Now she's retired and likes to remind me that she gets to sleep in. <laughs> but she... I kind of didn't want to live her life, even though teaching is most definitely what I was and meant to do. And so I went into a public 
um, public relations, journalism, got my degree, and I did that, and it wasn't bad. It was just not, I don't think it was what I was meant to do. And I did some event planning for the Muscular Dystrophy Association, which is a national sponsor um, with the DECA. The DECA is national sponsor of MDA. And the days that I spent in the high school, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to call my mom, my mommy, um, and <laughs> tell her that I missed my calling. And it took me two full years before I was like, okay, went back. She was like, I told you. <laughs> and so I went back and I got thrown in the classroom and I knew nothing. <laughs> so I became really, I became a sponge. I started finding the teacher of the year, the movers and shakers. I would go on my planning period and I would watch them. I happened to be being mentored by somebody who's I've still worked with today. Um, and so I believe in the, the mission of public education and loving these kids into submission <laughs> and, you know, creating experience lessons for them. I'm still a sponge. I want to learn all the things. And I think as educators, we have to be that way. We can't ever be like, well, we always did it that way. Like, no, we're going to change. Our kids are changing. And I think we've got to keep up with them. So, you know, I believe that life is fun. We should be doing cool things, fun things with our students, um, as well as being super rigorous and learning and teaching them how to talk and all of that. So I, t I taught eighth grade English for a really long time. And then I just became an instructional coach last year. And I do professional development, all of that. So congratulations I, on that. Thank you. I um you know, I want to retain these baby teachers. That's what I call our new teachers, our baby teachers. So, so Katie, um, you said eighth grade. Uh, have we yeah. taught? Have we taught multiple grades? Like, have you have you been dabbled with like like I don't know pre K or kindergarten range? Or have you no, gone? I'm secondary. I yes, love preach. the kinder. I love the our kindergarten teachers, and I love that they laminate things, and they're precious, and we need them. But I am, yeah, sixth grade and up um, is what I've been uh, doing in my career. I just, they're more, they're starting to really become who they're going to be, and you really get a hand in that, and I think that's special. But it's also hard. I mean, oh, gosh, it's hard. The hormones, all the things. Right. Oh, man, yeah, tell about it. <laughs> now... So you're in the middle school range. I am. What do you love most about the middle school age students? Because we have a middle schooler at home who's in yes. sixth grade. And oh. I was a former middle school teacher and principal. So I always love to ask that question. What do you love about middle schoolers? Oh, my gosh. I'm just weird enough to to thrive in middle school. Um, middle schoolers are precarious. They're fun. They're really going through. They're going through it. It doesn't get harder than it does in middle school, right? I'm um, trying to figure out who they are going to be. And I think as a teacher, you get a you get a hand in that. Uh, I think by the time they're juniors and seniors, I think they're pre-cooked. They kind of know what they want um, and where they're going. But middle school or middle schoolers are weird, and I'm I'm weird enough to to thrive there. <laughs> in middle school, do, is that where they you guys kind of guide them on the direction for career path? Is that more for like uh, freshman sophomore year in high school? No, they've started that uh, around seventh grade. They've right. started to do do a lot of that actually. Really? Um, yeah, they, we have a program called ICAP that allows them to kind of pick a track. I think. I think if teachers are really doing their job, that they are letting their kids kind of dabble in some of that anyway. Like I teach two writing classes in the morning and I had my kids just a couple months ago, they made companies 
and they made logos and they had, and we had a big job fair and we had these kids come in and they were interviewing for jobs and they were taking it so seriously. And uh, it was their favorite project of the whole semester. Sounds awesome. I want to do that. It's like fun. Yeah. yeah, Super relevant. (laughs) It was really fun. Um, So I think that as long as we're staying relevant with our kids, I I think we can never say, well, we've always done it that way, or we're going to, you know, pick this literary work because we've always done it. I think we've got to really be always looking at our practices. That's what I think that's what good teachers do. Absolutely. And it really does take passion to be able to continue to feel like you're bringing fresh content into the classroom, especially in the midst of what we've been going through for the last couple of years. But I want to go back to like earlier in your journey as a teacher Um, Like you talked about mentoring those baby teachers. Mm. Uh, We all have kiddos that make an impact on us. So if you were to think back to like those first five years of teaching, uh, tell us a story of a student that really made an impact on you. Gosh, um, I had a kid who gave me a run for my money. I won't say his name. He's Oh, come on. Little Johnny. Little Johnny. He came from a lot of trauma. And every day I we battled it out and I would try again the next day and we try again the next day. And I know it sounds kind of cheesy, but like I think of this, you know, my heart to theirs. Like I you're gonna try to break this, but I'm gonna, you know, keep putting it back together. And um his brother was a he was a gang member. Mm. And he really wanted, so I was teaching freshman at the time, and he really wanted his brother to join up with him. And so he was trying, he was this amazing football player, but then he had this outside influence. Um, and during that year, his brother got into a horrific fight oh, with no. another kid, and his brother was pushed down stairs and was immediately paralyzed <gasps> right in front of my classroom. So the kids saw the whole thing. What? And wow. I, you know, I use that story still to this day because when kids, we've got kids that fight, they want to fight, they film the fight, they think it's exciting or they peer pressure or whatever. And I tell that story because one of them went to jail and one of them is paralyzed still. So Lose, is it lose, worth right that? there. Right. I mean, is it worth that? Is any kind of violence ever worth that? Because it's not. Um, and so I, I specifically remember him. He still checks in with me mm. and he's doing okay. Um, and I, I have kids like that really every year. Kids that touch my heart in that way. Kids that I always say are come from big personalities, big, you know, because I too was a rule breaker. <laughs> <laughs> so as a middle schooler, I was suspended. I got in fights. I I um, climbed out of a window one time and the teacher didn't know. Like I, so I feel like I connect with some of those kids and I know exactly what they're going through. And I credit sports for kind of saving me soccer. My soccer coach finally came to me and was like, what are you doing? Like, you're good. And I'm like, oh, I should get my life together. Um, And that was about my sophomore year in high school. So that time, I get it. Yeah, that's a really valuable lesson for others. Chris and I, we've talked about some of my background. And I was seriously injured by students that, like, my second week as an assistant principal trying to break up a fight. And, you know, you end up with two girls with multiple felony counts. And I don't know about in Oklahoma, but in California, when you're – public school employee, you're considered a state employee. And so when there's charges, it's 
uh, assault against a state employee, and it's a whole different category of a felony offense. And, you know, those girls' lives were changed forever, all because one girl looked at the other girl and she thought it was disrespectful. And then I ended up with you know, all of these life-altering injuries at the time. And so... Life-altering injuries. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Were you like, did you have to have surgery? Like, what happened? They fractured my orbital wall around my right eye. And then I ended up with two herniated discs in my back and um, a tear in the uh, cartilage around my hip. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it was a traumatic brain injury because they hit me in the head pretty hard. And so... Was, oh my god. So, you know, it goes to back to that story of like is it really worth it? And, you know, for our kiddos, it's just there's so much violence in the world and like video games and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder, are you seeing an increase in aggression in the classroom as kids are more engaged with these things like, you know, like first person shooter types of games and stuff like that? Oh, 100%. I don't know if it's as much video games, but all screens, you know, they are, they've been raised for the past two years on a screen, all of them. And so then they go to school and they don't know how to interact with each other. We are seeing an increase in fights. And I think it really is going to start with the teachers teach, reteaching them how to be members of society. Right. Yeah. Like, I wonder about that. Yeah. Right. Like our, our teacher and I, you know, I think that our kids should be learning those life skills. Should they be able to do math too? Okay. But if you're giving them a worksheet every day or a worksheet on a tablet and sitting at your desk, well, you're not doing them any favors. And I just think we need to teach them how to speak and how to respectfully disagree. And I do a lot of that in my in my class. And I teach other teachers how to do that as well. And, you know, a lot of times teachers don't know if they've, especially we've got all these emergency certifications. Mm -hmm. They don't know. They just start teaching the way that they were taught, which is straight rows. And here's a worksheet. Right. Um, And that's not necessarily, that's not what's best for kids. So what do you think is best for kids then? If you had a, if you had a perfect plain canvas to start over, what would you do? Well, first, let's fund public education and write policy. <laughs> let's write policy to get our teachers what they need and training. And I'd like to get into some colleges. Like, people, as soon as they pick that track as a freshman in college, like, I want to teach these teachers what they're going to be up against um, and how it's the most noble job in the world, like, 100%. But we need to be ready for the things that are going to happen. So that's number one. Uh, we need funding. We need to pay teachers what they deserve. Um, so you're I would not like, like the richest uh, <laughs> job <no>. in town. <laughs> and I'd like spoken? to. I, I thought, as a kid, I thought you guys were millionaires. <laughs> wouldn't it be nice? I'd like, you know, I've said this before. Wouldn't it be nice if we like gave our really good teachers, like our rock star teachers, like a million dollar signing bonus. Like, oh, you know, Christine, you're you're gonna get a million dollars for going to this district. What? It's like the NFL like, draft for yeah, teachers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, why not? So there you go. Yeah. Um, like in the first round draft pick out of uh, California State University, 
uh, XYZ is Christine. Her bachelor's degree is she specializes in differentiated instruction. Come on down. And then you put like the hat on, like walk up on stage of of the school you'd be teaching at. Yep. (laughs) And they're like, peace, deuces. They're like, to all my fans out there, all of you 10, 11, and 12 year olds, I see you. (laughs) I want to say thank you to my my parents in my classroom. I see you. Yeah, 100%. I love it. Um, And, you know, I don't know the perfect fix, but I do know we have to right now work with what we've got. And so I believe experience lessons are really important. You know, you are, like it or not, you are competing with video games. You are competing with, you know, social media and screens and, uh, you know, middle school romances and all of that. And middle school drama. (laughs) And middle school drama. And so I think, you know, staging your room in a way, like hooking them in, in some sort of way, having relevant content, doing a poetry lounge, a poetry slam on poetry that they've, they've written and that they perform. And I mean, things that matter, things that they will go home and be like, this is what I did today. And, and I don't even like to call my class a writing class. I call it Miss Kindermania. <laughs> um, because, you know, writing will kind of trigger the kids. Like, I can't do it. Um, but I'm like, okay, come on into Miss Kindermania. This is what we're doing today. And I love it when kids are like, oh my gosh, it's time to go already. I'm like, yes, queen. Um, you didn't, queen? You didn't, yes, queen. You did not try to look at your phone. You did not try to get out and go to the bathroom 85 times. You did not, all of that. Um, and so that's what I want for our students and for our teachers. Is phone, is phones a big issue in your classroom? Oh my gosh. It's the biggest issue. I want to ban them. So my, my district is one to one iPads. Every, kid has an ipad for school purposes and they should how lucky is that man right and they take them home and just in case we go to virtual which we did last week because of the omicrons and um yeah so they don't need their phones i think it needs to be powered down in their backpack in their locker they don't need it and i know it can be done because i've worked with a principal before who banned them and he even got like a fake wand. It wasn't even real, but he, the kids thought it was real and he would run around with his fake cell phone wand. And the kids, we never saw the cell phones. We never saw them because they were like terrified. What did the wand do? <laughs> Nothing. The wand didn't do anything, but the kids thought that like if the phone was on them, that the wand was going to like start beeping or something. It was totally fake. Oh, they oh. thought but it was they, like a metal detector wand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I would have, I, I would think in like Harry Potter. I would have done it like, <laughs> like this, this wand will erase your phone completely. it'll break your phone if it's on you um yeah so i've seen that so yeah and the the kids you know 11 12 13 year old 14 year old kids they don't have the frontal cortex to deal with the cell phones they don't have they they're going to put something out there that they don't mean they're going to take a picture of themselves that they got pressured into right that happened quite a bit oh a hundred percent i've seen Yes. Uh, are we, are we uh, talking? Are we talking like more adult content type pictures or what? Yes. Yes. R- kids in sixth grade. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. And I and I tell that to parents. Wow. Like, I didn't know. Chris they're is like, freaking not, out because he has a sixth grade sorry. boy. <laughs> okay. And they're like, "Well, not my baby." And I'm like, "Yes, your baby too." Like, you, it it should be your paying job. You should act like it's your paying job to look through that phone and um because they've got ghost accounts and they've got apps where they're hiding things oh yeah oh yeah ghost account what's a ghost account account? is that like you have like your fake profile or fake something well it's like yeah you've got your instagram page that your grandma looks at and then you've got another one that's for your friends they all have one they all have email does he 
Yeah, he has a school email, but check Jacob's phone like today. Yeah, it's so funny because we I will say, let me have your phone. And he's like, why? I'm like, because right. I'm a parent in this house. And my my 17 year old, he knows. I say, let me see your phone. And I, you know, I know what he's on and he's pretty mm-hmm. open about it. And um, because of my past relationship with his father, he knows like you don't get on certain apps. We just don't do that right. kind of stuff. And so constantly know he knows that I know how to check it. But yeah, I, I was that principal that did not allow cell phones on my campus at all. And I, I got that. a lot of flack for that when it was it was a sixth, seventh and eighth grade campus. And I said, if there's an emergency, a parent can call the front office and we can get your child we don't need you texting them to interrupt them or asking them things like that. We like, what do you want for dinner? Right. We left a yeah. phone right. available at the front um, through the little window at break time. Kids could call home if they needed to to tell their parents something. But there's no need for cell phones on a campus. There really isn't. I walked – I was um, for work, I was at another school site doing a, um, a visit and I walked into like five different classrooms and the teacher was at their desk doing – computer work and this is the middle of class and two thirds, if not three fourths of the class were sitting there on TikTok. Yep. And losing instructional time and it just can become such a distraction yeah. because that's what, you know, instead of talking to each other, kids just get into this tunnel of like living vicariously through other people's lives and yeah. disconnecting from everything around them. It's really sad. It's really sad. And I think that's kind of what we're dealing with, too. You've got teachers who are going to enforce the rules, and you've got teachers who've given up, which I hate. Like, I, it hurts my heart. Um, so then the, the kid doesn't understand that, like, one teacher is going to have this rule, and the other teacher is not going to follow the rule. And so they themselves get all worked up about, well, I'm allowed to. But no, you're not. And I always, I mean, I joke with them. I'm like, oh gosh, I want to keep my job. My both my kids want to eat every night, so that's weird. So let's go ahead and put the phone up. And mm-hmm. um, and they're usually like, okay, like, haha, Miss Kendra, you're funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I think we should ban them. And you know, France banned them. I did. They did. And their test scores went up. Their productivity went up. Like, ban. The phones. They don't need them. <laughs> no, I want to switch gears for just a second, Katie. I have a question for you because you're a teacher and an instructional coach. And I think that every adult that's listening right now, if they were to think back to their educational experience, they have that one teacher that like ruined it for them. They can remember mm-hmm. that one that made their life miserable mm-hmm. or that they say, oh, that teacher never liked me or I would have been able to do X, Y, and Z if it wasn't for that one teacher. And from being in education, I know that there's a variety of personalities in teaching. So I would love for you to kind of talk us through what you think makes a teacher make that turn to becoming negative or grumpy and what we can do as parents to help support them not get there. Sure. Well, I think the leadership needs to pour into their innovators. Those are the teachers. If you got, if you continually have these innovators on your staff and you're pouring into them, they're on your leadership team. They're the ones, they're the bar. Um, I think that's helpful. I think, you know, parents to let their principals know that this teacher is making an impact on my student's life. Uh, not just the negative things, but the positive ones as well. Um, I don't, you know, I think it's systemic. 
I think, you know, no teacher comes in and is like, I'm going to sit at my desk and go to sleep or whatever. I had that teacher. I, I, right? I know. We all did. Um, how was I able to crawl out of a window in eighth grade without the teacher knowing? Right. Um, and so we... I think that we all start with that passion. Like, we're going to change the world. We're going to do this. We're going to do what's best for kids. And then you start to get, like, bogged down with all of the systemic brokenness. And I'm big about only dying on three hills. And my big hills that I will die on are safety of kids in my classroom and relevant and engaging lesson plans and kindness. Because if if I want my students to be kind to each other, then, dang, we should, you should be kind to the adults, if the adults are ugly to each other in a building, then right. how can we expect the, even if I don't necessarily see eye to eye, that doesn't mean I'm not confrontational. I can be, especially when it comes to my babies, because I love them so much. Oh, um, you're, you're adorable, <laughs> by the way. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, but I just think we need to do it in a kind manner. So I think like, okay, well, the State Department wants you to do this report. And then the, there's a parent that's pissed off at you because you had the audacity to make them put their phone away. And then you have uh, your coworker across the hall is mad at you because you played music too loud. And then this happened. And it makes you, you get so bogged down that you're like, I quit. And you don't really quit. You don't walk away and go make more money at Starbucks. You sit at your desk and you do nothing. And that is upsetting. To and me. then your How tenure, we- right? Yeah, right. I don't know if I believe in tenure. <laughs> I think there needs to be like a like a clause. Like, okay, you did well the first couple of years, and so you're tenured. But if you really have given up, like you need to go back on temporary status until you can prove that you are. Because if you're not intrinsically motivated for the kids, something you need to be motivated by something to do what's right. So, I, okay, for those who don't know, when it becomes tenure, what does it mean for for a teacher? Does it means they're like untouchable or what? Not necessarily untouchable, but harder to get rid of for sure. Oh, a uh, union? Kind of, oh, it's union, right? Yeah, union. Yeah, it's union. And I love our union. Our union is great. He, they really do a lot for teachers and, um, you know, they work in tandem with administration and they help teachers and I love our union. Uh, I just wish there was a clause in there for teachers who've just kind of given up. Definitely. Now, when you talk about teachers giving up, we know that teachers have been through so much over the last two years. And Chris and I have a conversation frequently about being an educator and the quote unquote time off that you get. And there's this perception that teachers get a three-month vacation. I keep explaining, yeah. no, they God, just take it. And I keep saying, no, <laughs> they, take, cool a, they take a chunk of the money you've earned all along, and then they trickle it over the summer months so that you actually have a paycheck. But from a True. teacher and instructional coach's perspective, for our listeners to understand, um, can you talk about when a teacher actually gets to take their hat off and take a break or not? <laughs> What's it like after hours for teachers? I think, I mean, if if it's a school year, if you're in the 10, 9, nine 10 months in the school year, your hat is never off. You go to you go to bed with it on your shoulders. You worry about them. Um, you worry about the kid who's t- just wrote about how he's sleeping in his car with his dad because they got kicked out of their apartment. Like, you take that home. You take grading home. You sit around the dinner table with your family and cry and... It's, um, it's, you don't take it off ever. Um, I think during the summer, 
I think a lot of teachers are doing professional development. They're rewriting curriculum at the district. They are, do they take a vacation? Yes, if they can afford to. Um, do they sleep in a little bit? Probably because they, you know, it's trauma filled. Um, and then they gear up for the next year. And I think it is it right now. It's a foxhole. Who is in your foxhole and how are you, how are you doing? So many of our teachers aren't doing okay. And I think it's really, really hard. And I think society, like we just are the scapegoats for everything. Um, and I hate that because teachers just get beat up on and they look at that too. And, and you can, that's the reason that 50% of our new teachers leave the profession in the first five years. That's 50%. crazy. And well, that's crazy to me too. Why do you, what do you think is, is it, is an overall reason why that happens? Is it, I mean, if you pick, think- pick one thing. I mean, I think it's just burnout. Like they yeah. just, they want to, they want to change the world. And then they've got a parent that lights them up because they had their kid. And I, I stand by the fact that if you're doing it right, you're going to piss some parents off because yep. things that are yep. allowed at home are not necessarily ever going to be allowed in your ELA classroom. And um, so when you call a kid out on, you know, I'm so sorry, that's not how we behave in here. And he goes home and tells mommy and mommy is, you know, raring to go and ready to help her baby, which you understand that too. Um, And then if you don't have your armor on, I mean, I, all of that, it's just, it's really hard, but it is worth it and we need them, which is why I'm trying to get this message out to our baby teachers that it's worth it and you can be successful inside this broken system. Now, thinking about that, as you said, you went into the profession and you were very unprepared. Oh, yeah. uh, we know that a lot of teachers that go into the job don't realize the emotional I don't want to say implications, but the emotional involvement that goes into teaching between them and their students. Can you talk a little bit about how teachers can preserve their own like mental and emotional health while dealing with a class full of kids in trauma? I mean, right. Um, I think we need more trauma-informed specialists. We need boots on the ground. We need more counselors, psychiatrists, psychologists. Like We need all of that. Um, but for now, since the funding isn't there, I think you have to, I believe in therapy. Um, right now, my district is offering free therapy, free group therapy for teachers, which I think is awesome. Um, I think taking care of yourself, like reminding yourself of why you do what you do. Why? Yes, it's personal. Uh, I believe in meditation. I believe in all of that. And I don't know. I I don't have the answers to to that question, really. Yeah, that's um, okay. I mean, it's just when we think about it from the outside looking in, and we think of our teachers are responsible for, depending on their district, 24 to 40 right. young people. And if you're in secondary, that's, you know, six or seven times a day, you have a different right. group. 150 kids. Right. Yeah. And every child is coming in with their own baggage, and you're with them sometimes more hours of the day than their parents, not because parents don't care, but because they're trying to keep food on the table and you you hear things that they might not be comfortable sharing with parents. And when you think about that, like when our kiddos, our three kiddos come home and they've had a rough day, we're able to process and talk through it with three of them. 
But one individual having to hold space for 150 kids going through all of their own mess, that can get heavy if you don't know how to process it. Right. And I agree with you. And I think that teachers have to rely on each other. Um, I often say that we are kind of raising babies together. Like it's not like my husband who goes to his cubicle and crunches numbers all day. Like that's Yes, his coworkers are, you know, friendly or whatever, but these are, these are your people. You're in a foxhole and you need to rely on each other. So let's say I'm not connecting with a kid the way that I think I should, then I'm going to find the teacher that he has connected with. I'm going to find that we're going to do this together. We're going to be in this together. I think when you're in a school that has that mission mindset, um, that's how you thrive. Um, and so I think it's, I think it's hard, but I think it can be done. How does your school approach or handle bullying? Bullying? Yeah. You know, I I think the kids also have a hard time with this because just because you're in conflict doesn't mean you're being bullied. So I think like the kids are quick to say, well, I'm being bullied when really they're just having a little disagreement about their friends clothes or whatever. I don't know. Um, so they don't know how to like handle that in a in a way that's healthy. So I think <laughs> yeah. that's kind of part of it too. Um, but real bullying, I feel like we're pretty good at making sure that that doesn't happen. We have this app that you can anonymously say, this is what I've seen or this is what I'm, um, you know, the big thing is that we can't control the things that are said online. Right. On Snapchat, yeah. on this and that. So they, the kids that really truly are being bullied um, they can't ever get away from it unless their parents take that phone from them. Like, I think by 8 p.m. or, you know, dinner is screen-free. And then by 8 p.m., that phone needs to be in the parents' room charging. They need some time to, like, process life without that phone in their hand. Chris just, like, was, like, mind-blown phone in our rooms. That's a great idea. Of course. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Jacob's on his phone all night long watching. Who knows what uh, – Right. <laughs> I don't think it's TikTok, but it's like, I think there's something YouTube on YouTube. Yeah, there's, there's YouTube. My son is, yeah, into that too. There's a YouTube version of TikTok. Have you seen it? <laughs> no. It's like YouTube. You Everybody's going towards this like uh, TikTok style where it's like 15, 20 second kind of clips. Right. Even YouTube has jumped on this bandwagon where they have like, I think they're called YouTube Shorts. I, oh, I, think oh, I do know about YouTube Shorts. Okay. Yeah. So I think they're like the same concept as Instagram Reels and TikTok videos. Kind of the same sure. concept of this quick short thing you flip up and it go. I think I haven't messed with it, but he's into that, which is kind of like the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Everybody's kind of copying TikTok. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and like our kids, uh, you know, more than fifteen seconds, they're like, "Oh, this is boring. Let's right. choose something else." Right. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah, my son's into that too. He watches other people play games on yeah. YouTube. I'm like, that's, that's what our boys do. Like thing. video games, yeah. like streamers. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, this is the dumbest thing. Yeah, like, <laughs> growing up, you ever, you ever, if you ever grew up, like I grew up in the day of like Atari. I mean, oh, I'm old and like Nintendo and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, Nintendo. And, and if you you were sitting at home playing the games, all your friends were over your house. You're playing the latest Pac-Man version. Yeah, I'm really old. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then like, 
And then like, you're like, I want to play my turn, my turn, my turn. And like, it would be driving you nuts watching your friend play. It would be like, no, I want to play now. So right, this right. concept of like, you watch other kids play and that's your thing. So, but I think. So deep, weird. I know. But I think deep down inside, everybody wants to play the game. But know? what's interesting is if you think about what we're observing with students coming back from the pandemic and how you were talking about them having a hard time connecting with each other, it's because they've been passively engaging in other people's lives through videos. It's like, yep. I'm going to watch you live your life from over here. And I feel like we're connected, but we've never actually met. But I think we're kind of like friends. And so then you think like, oh, that kid across the room, like I see what they're doing, whatever. Oh, we're friends. And then as a parent, you're like, oh, well, how often do you hang out? Oh, we don't. We just, you know, we chat on Snapchat and we, you know, share TikTok videos with each other. Okay. So like, do you guys like go hang out and have lunch together? Do you sit together? Oh, no. <laughs> no. Never do that. Yeah. Well, and I think they're deeply lonely. I really do. Not all of them. But I think a lot of them are deeply isolated and lonely. And so if they, if, you know, we do have in-person school, I think you've got to make the best of it. You've got to teach them how to do this and how we're a family and how we're in this together. And, that you know, um, teaching them to talk is a big deal in my room. Right. Oh, really? That like okay. So, uh, who's got the answer to this question? Kind of thing. Raise your hand, kids. Well, no, actually, I put them in a Socratic seminar, and I'm like, okay, um, nobody raises their hand, but I'm gonna give out a question. It's usually like a hot topic, you know, debate, debatable thing. And then you have to learn if you're in a business meeting, you're in a boardroom, you don't raise your hand to talk. You have to figure out how and when to insert yourself. And so then we go from there. And it is mind-blowing. It's so good. Now, when you're doing that, do you get kids that don't know how to kind of read the social cues and just try to talk over each other? Oh, yeah. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to pose a question. You guys are all going to fight about, you know, who's going to talk. And we're not going to do that. That's not allowed. So if two people start talking at the same time, you say, Christine, I insist that you go. And the first person who's been insisted goes first. The insister goes second. And so they really get get good at it. Like, I respectfully disagree. And this is why. And I told him, I'm like, you know, if you get too upset and you tell everybody to shut up and you take a desk and throw it, what's going to happen in your job? Like, we're going to get fired. I'm like, exactly. And so they have to say, you know, Chris, I respectfully disagree with you. And this is why I come on. (laughs) And I insist that you go first. And, and it really teaches them how to speak um, professionally and appropriately with each other. That's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, You know, teaching them those skills of what transfers into the workplace is really important. Chris and I were having a talk with one of our kiddos yesterday about um, attendance, school attendance, and because we co-parent across two households, talking with them about how we don't just randomly, quote unquote, take days off of school to do fun stuff with parents because that's not what we would do in a job. And it was an interesting conversation because uh, this child, we're not going to name which one he was. Uh, He may have a birthday coming up. Not Aww. tomorrow, but the next day. <laughs> uh, we have we have two boys with back to back birthdays. They're just Aww, several happy years birthday. apart. Happy birthday! So but, fun. But um, we were having a conversation about how when you have a job, you can't just call in for a fun day. Like I'm going to take birthday. off. Yeah, I'm going to take off for you know because I want to go have fun, especially when you've been behind in schoolwork and things like sure. that. Sure. And then it was the whole conversation of uh, to Chris. He was asking, "Well, so Dad." 
uh, what about you? And Chris is like, well, I take my birthday off, but it's a scheduled vacation. And then he came back with, well, I don't get to schedule my vacations. They're dictated for me, so I can choose a day. And I was like, oh, you're way too big for your britches. 11 year olds, like, I respectfully disagree. And let me tell you why. <laughs> that reasoning, that logic doesn't follow. Well, it kind of makes me think about, like, like, as adults, I mean, I know, I know that, like, I know maybe not so much in the education world, but like, as a regular job, we get to plan out our vacations for the year, you know, like we're taking this week, that week or whatever. Right. And uh, with, as a student, you're kind of like, you do get a lot of vacation. You get, you know, all the summer off, all the Christmas break, and all, you get a lot off. That's but, true. But you don't get to pick it. It's picked for you. So right. I, guess, yeah, I guess I got to understand that. I know. But so if, the, if we were in that Socratic seminar, he could have said, I respectfully disagree with you and here's my perspective. And I would have been like, okay, I, I get your logic. You're still not taking this the school day off, but wow, that was smart. <laughs> I'm still the boss. You get an A, but you're not, you're still going to school. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Sounds like he's got good parents. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is going to miss school because the other parent decided, but that's another well, story. Well, that's also. another podcast, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well. Now, tell us a bit about this book that you've written recently. <gasps> oh my goodness. Untold Teaching Truths. So I kind of have had chapters for years. And when the first wave of deep isolation and, and staying home in March of 2020, I really sat down and I wrote most of it. Wow. And, you know, some people cleaned and ran marathons and worked out and I wrote. And so uh, I was starting to speak before the world shut down, and I would have people that would come and kind of stand in line and talk to me and say, we'd love to buy your book if you had one. And I'm like, I don't have one, but now I do. And it's really everything that I wish I would have known before I stepped into the classroom. Everything that happened to me, I failed, so you don't have to. Um, It's part strategy, part memoir, part how in the world do we be successful inside of the system. Um, So I want to get it into the hands of every baby teacher in the world. So that's what it's for, for new teachers then? Yeah, and I, I also think it's for vet teachers. Those teachers that had given up or I, you know, I want them to take it too. I want them to, to get that spark back because I know that it was there. Right. So can you give us an example of something that might be in your book that you think would be helpful? You don't have to read, but just kind of like an anecdote that you shared within the book. Sure. I mean, I, so I went to a trauma-informed professional development years ago, and it was this huge thing. They told you know talked about the brain. We know the trauma is there. We know about all of the things, but they didn't give me any practical like you should do this first and this second and this. And so I have a great story in there about a kid who, Marcus, who, it's not his real name, um, he's a lost boy. And I just got a really good connection with him. Um, and then also I gave practical strategies on classroom management. I would do this first, this second, this third. Um, and it's all in there. Stories, poems, all of it. And so it's kind of like toolkit meets story meets training. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And it's, you know, my experience lessons are in there. Uh, how to do a Socratic seminar is in there. We just talked about. Um, it's all in there. And so I'm just trying to get teachers to not give up and not quit. And so Untold Teaching Truths emerged. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, where can everyone find that book? 
Well, you can get it on Amazon. Um, you, you can get it anywhere that they sell the books. And if you want to come see me in person, I've got some professional development coming up. I could I could send you guys those dates and you guys could put them up there maybe. And uh, I would love to I would love to give you a book. Oh, we would love that. And so uh, when you talk about professional developments, what could somebody expect from a session like that? And then are they only in Oklahoma? Uh, no, I'm going to Texas. Woo-hoo. Well, I just had one. I was going to go to Arkansas, and they just canceled it because of the Omicron. Because oh, of the yeah. COVID. Stupid yeah, Omicron. Uh, Omicron. I know. And so, uh, yes, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, Tulsa, Hot Springs, Arkansas, Texas. I'm hoping it it picks up and I can start going all over the nation. That would be amazing. Wow, look at you. Nation traveler worldwide. Yeah, well, not yet. I'm going into debt right now, but (laughs) maybe one day. (laughs) But, you know, that's really needed right now because when, like – I'm in California and an educator and our governor just came out with this new guidance to try and address the teacher shortage. And some of his rules were so a substitute teacher only has to have a bachelor's degree. They don't have to have our state basic skills test taken Um, for classroom teachers. They can be on emergency credentials and student teachers can now take over full classrooms uh, to try and fill the gap. And when I think about all of that, while it's filling an immediate need, we're kind of shortchanging on the preparation for a lot of our teachers. And I think that some of them need some of these, I call them like the down and dirty tips because it's not like you go to yes. a seven day training to master one concept. It's like the survival mode toolkit for beginning teachers so that you don't burn out. Yes. And I think that that's super timely right now. I think you should promote that. It's like the, <sighs> instead of the untold teaching truths, you could say, uh, emergency dirty. teacher survival kit and <laughs> untold teaching truths. <laughs> and, there you go. And, and, um, yeah, no, I agree with you. And even the ones that have taken the track, the they come out of college. I have a teacher I'm mentoring right now, and she said not. It was like really heavy on pedagogy, like right. You know, but it wasn't like, what do you do when a kid throws a desk at your head? Like, what? Right. Um, and that's kind of what that this is. That is chapter 13. <laughs> chapter 13. Um, yeah. So, like, what do you, what do you do? Um, and so that's kind of what it is. And I just, I do, I want to get it, you know, since it's, it's come out and I've started, um, I started my Instagram page at Untold Teaching Truths. I'm, you know, on Twitter at Katie Kinder One, I have had people slide into my DMs, educators, and please do. And I am mentoring somebody in New York. I'm mentoring somebody in in uh, Chicago, in Colorado right now. Like I will give you anything I've got to make sure that you are successful. That that's is fantastic. Yeah, that's so amazing because so many of the like beginning teacher supports are overwhelmed across the states, and like you said, sometimes they're just to meet like state requirements and regulations. And, you know, just going back to my old, my own teaching experience, I started as an intern teacher. So I hadn't finished my last semester of teaching, like the student teaching. I just went into the classroom and I had never developed a lesson plan. I walked in thinking that my school district was going to hand me a set of lessons that I then just basically perform. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, and you're like, okay, I can be an actor on a stage. I can take anything and adapt it and make it interesting. And then I was like, but there's nothing to adapt. I have to create it. Right. And I think that there's people that are listening that are thinking, 
oh, well, teachers just go in and they're given the curriculum and they just teach That's what it. I thought. That's what I thought. No, you get the books and then you have to create the curriculum. Like you have to create all of the lesson plans yes. and meet all of the needs of the kids in the classroom and adjust it and create all of the assessments and then teach it all day. <laughs> yeah, 100%. That's why, I mean, I think there's that statistic that says that teachers make more minute-to-minute decisions than ER doctors. That's why you're so exhausted when you go home. Um, and so, yeah, you – and I – I always say I don't want teachers to pay teachers. Like I want to give it away for free. So if there's something in this book that you want, I will just send it to you. That's amazing. Now, would this book be good for non-teachers also? I think it would be a really good glimpse into what your teachers, you know, before you fire off that <laughs> that email yes. to that teacher. Yeah. And um, maybe you should read it. Um, but I also believe, you know, parents – and teachers and principals, we get this like mindset of like us versus them, them versus us, us like we can't. Um, so I think understanding the first thing I want to do if a parent is mad at me is come watch me teach, come in, come sit down. Um, do some teachers need to be told to, you know, maybe step up their game? A hundred and fifty million percent. But before you fire off that mean email, I, they're still tired too, even if they're sitting at their desk because barking at kids all day long or creating awesome lessons all day long, you're still going to go home tired. Um, so I think reading it for non-teachers could sit down with it and be like, okay, because if you have anybody you love that's in public education, you should read it. That is definitely some great wisdom that you're dropping there. All right, Katie. So as we're wrapping this out, we have mostly non-teachers that listen to this podcast. What would you like all of them to know from you, an educator? I think you should reach out to the teachers in your life. You all have one. Uh, the people who are on the ground doing the work and tell them that you appreciate it. Tell them that you don't think they're the reason that COVID exists. <laughs> you don't like, you know, uh, love on your teachers. Tell your kids that, they need to be working hard and respectful. Look at those cell phones, my friends. It should be, you should be looking at that cell phone like it is your paying job. Yes, you are kid too. And just that we're in this together and we need to hold up our public education friends. That's awesome. Well, we really appreciate you being on the show with us today, Katie. And so friends, check her book out, Untold Teaching Truths on Amazon. Reach out to her through Instagram or Twitter. We'll definitely put all that information in the show notes from today. And biggest takeaway from today is keep encouraging the educators in your life to keep at it because it is good work. Thank you. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. Ooh, ooh. You know, I really loved having Katie on the podcast. I think it was really nice to have a fellow educator on the show. It was. It was great, you know. And I was kind of wondering, like, the, all the behind-the-scenes stuff that people don't really realize when they are a teacher into the uh, minefields of the classroom, I guess. Right, especially teaching in the middle of the pandemic and everything that goes along with that. And how do you keep... How do you keep teachers in their jobs, like wanting to come back? And how do you motivate educators? And how do you make sure that they're giving, given an opportunity to grow? There's just so much that goes into it. And I think that's why no matter how much I have like great business in the wedding industry or with my consulting, 
I don't know if I'll ever leave education because I'm just like committed to helping to make sure that people have access to continue to grow. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, having access in the tools we need to help everybody and educate everybody mm-hmm. does make the world a better place in the long run. Really. Yeah, it does. And, you know, what's interesting is I really do believe that education has the power to help really address so many of the ills that are happening in society right now, like poverty. How do you get people to be able to climb out of poverty? Empower them through education so they have more opportunities. Um, How do you help rid the world of hate and racism and all of that? Through education, by helping people understand different perspectives and communicate effectively. And so, I don't know, if anything that I've learned over the last couple of years, it's that our teachers, our educators that are out there on the front lines are absolute rock stars and we owe them like a million dollars each. <laughs> they don't get paid that? No, no. they have, you know that. They absolutely don't. There's always a joke about how people joke that teachers, you know, they, they don't make very much money or like we were saying during the interview, like, oh, well, you get your summers off. But no, teachers really don't get paid a lot when you look at the amount of work that they do. And that's not to complain. It's just the reality of what it is. Yeah, I think too, you really, it's like one of those careers that you go into knowing that like you want to do it because you just want to do it. I know, but people shouldn't have to go into a job saying, I know I'm going to take a low salary just because I'm committed to doing this work. Like, don't you think they should be fairly compensated? Well, that's obviously that's true. But then, you know, there's a lot of people that will specifically go into a line of work, not because it's there to help people. Because the paycheck's big. Right. That's true. You know, like, oh, I'm like in business and stuff. I'm going to be a doctor, an eye surgeon. Oh, great. You like uh, helping people with their vision? No, I want a big paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) You know, or a title. Yeah. I mean, I think there's there's some truth to that, but there's very few people that I know that go into teaching for that reason because of the nature of how hard the work is. And so, all that to say, teachers, huge respect to you, educators. Thank you for everything that you've done for our children through the pandemic. And to you, Chris, now that you have officially joined the ranks as an educator based off of your number one podcast in courses on Good Pods. I know. Thank you for educating the world about how to make a better podcast. You're you're welcome. You're welcome. You're all welcome. That's what I always say. So if you'd like to learn more about us, about Chris and his fantastic work on Podtastic Audio, where can they find us, Chris? You can go on the old interweb, clickety-click-click at chrisandchristineshow.com. And everything you want to know is right on there. And on the third page of the Chris and Christine show, it's all about podcasting audio and a link to all my wonderful stuff over there, too. Yes. If you want to find that out. Go over, support him. If you want support, one-on-one coaching or anything like Wait, that. Wait, I don't have time for that. Come Just on reach now. out to him. And he loves to be able to chat with up-and-coming podcasters. That is and, true. Yes. And uh, we would appreciate you, you know, hopping on over for this show and leaving us a review, an honest review. We always love those five stars, but honesty is most important to us. And we hope that you've enjoyed this episode and learned something new. And we will be back with you next week.